a man on a mission. He was kind of uh, driving with his his head cut off, kind of thing. Uh, a little chicken out there. So yeah, the, the chicken little, driver. Yeah, bark, bark. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> good for him. Then it's lights out and go, go, go. Welcome to another episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast after Monza. We went into this weekend with incredibly high expectations for action, drama, all good things to come out of it, and boy were those expectations met. As always, I am your host, Ian. And your host, Marco. Marco, how are we doing before we get into this rip-roar of a race? I mean, holy shit, what a great weekend. Every single day was fantastic. I, I mean, like, I could not have asked for a better Formula One weekend. I personally think this might go down as the, the best, most entertaining race of the year, maybe. Okay, well, that was going to be one of my agree to disagree, so we can get that one out of the way. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think this was probably going to be, this is, when we look back at the end of the 2021 season, this is going to be one of those standout races. There's just something about Monza that's special about that place. Last two years, drivers who weren't necessarily considered as, you know, top of the podium finishers taking home P1. So we will get into all of that. Uh, for this episode, we're going to talk about the good, bad, and ugly of the weekend. We'll give you a little race recap, some agree to disagree, and our race predictions recap. So why don't we get into it with a nice, good, bad, and ugly. Marco, why don't you go first? So uh, my good is going to be the Sprint Series again. Silverstone and now Monza have been some of the best weekends we've had so far. They are picking and choosing, I think, the perfect race venues for this event and yeah we're seeing you know the the races that have the high path probability is something that yeah you're going to want to have just because on saturday you're not going to have a ton of laps to be able to pass people so having these types of tracks is the perfect venue for these so yeah great for them and also both came with massive crashes involving both lewis and max so you know, I don't know, maybe next uh, Sprint Series, I, I'll be sprinkling some money on one or both of them to DNF next time around if, uh, you know, everything goes to plan. My bad is the curse of the driver's seat. I feel like anytime that we see a team move on from a driver, that driver decides to outperform what we've been kind of seeing them do all year. And a prime example of this is Valtteri Botas. He had an incredible weekend, uh, incredible last couple weekends. So, uh, you know, once that news was official, he just was like, all right, turn, time to turn on the Jets. Uh, he, maybe, you know, in the back of his head, he was just kind of thinking, you know, I don't want to be at Mercedes, so I'm going to be kind of half-assing it a little bit. And the second that it's official that I do not have to come back here, I'm going to show how good I really am. That would be a wild move. And my ugly is going to be uh, more drama from another episode of the Team Principles of Formula One with your main star, Christian Horner. I feel like Max could literally stab Lewis in the leg, and both Christian and Max would spin it as Lewis threw his leg into Max's knife. <laughs> like it, it is so clear that like they just will not even admit or even like kind of hint at the, the possibility of Max doing something wrong. I think Christian has just been like put Max in a lab and then just like was like you cannot do anything wrong you cannot admit to fault at anything just follow my lead and and he has done so clearly the stewards obviously were noticing that and Max hopefully grows up a bit because he definitely acted 
uh, pretty shitty uh, on Sunday, just kind of walking off after the crash and not making sure that uh, Lewis was okay. Even in Silverstone, Lewis was asking about Max after the crash, uh, after the race, con- continuously just checking in on him. I think if Lewis was stuck in that car, there was a gas leak, and he was just like, Max, Max, help, help. I think Max would have pulled like kind of a scar from Lion King, maybe thrown a, a match to, to help <laughs> expedite the process because, like, I mean, he was walking away with vengeance. He did not care what happened to Lewis. So, yeah, I think that was, a, that was pretty ugly. It uh, was, uh, was tough to watch to see how, how Max was reacting that, uh, after that crash. All right, good stuff. Um, I'll go next, my good, bad, and ugly of the weekend. We did overlap, so I'm kind of going off the cuff here, which is fun. Got to keep me on my toes. Uh, my good is going to be leaving the triple header on a high. So obviously the trajectory of the enjoyable for this stretch of three races was something to be noted, I thought. Spa being a non-race, Zanvoort being an okay race, and this being awesome. It was just you know, it was a reminder of why we love the sport, the all the action, the drama, storylines coming out of it. Makes our life pretty easy as podcasters when we have all these different points to talk about. So yeah, I think just uh, you know leaving on a high... Obviously, we got two weeks before we go to Sochi, which historically has not been the best of races. But, uh, yeah, I think we can definitely relish in how good this one was. My bad is going to be Checo, uh, being an unreliable source of good quality points again. I feel like we say it all the time, like almost every race. But uh, these are like the races that are going to keep Red Bull up at night when the Constructors' Championship inevitably comes down to just a few points. So toward the end of the season, like these are going to be the missed opportunities where Checo could have ended up on a podium and you know kind of stolen some points, closed the gap to Mercedes even a little bit. Instead, the opposite happened. So um, don't necessarily think it was his fault. I don't agree, but it's just unfortunate to see Checo continue this kind of unlucky stretch that feels like it's almost every race at this point. So that'll be my bad, my ugly is Mazepin spinning out Mick Schumacher uh, during the race. Like, I'm at the point where I'm ready. At first, I was like, man, you don't want to see these guys fight. Like, Haas, the American team, you want to see them continually improve. Obviously, Mick is, you know, I have vested interest in Mick becoming a cool, you know, story and and out of that. So, it's kind of like averse to all the fighting and the drama at Haas. Now I'm at the point where I've just kind of given up and I'm ready to watch a train wreck. So I want to see fireworks. I want to see it escalate to the point where something wild happens and, you know, who knows, a fist fight on track breaks out or something like that. But I think this is not the end of the uh, Haas struggles. I think it's going to be way worse uh, and it's obviously getting exponentially worse as we go on here. So, yep, that'll be my, uh, my good, bad, and ugly. Moving on to a race recap. Um, Man, this is going to take a while because there's so much stuff here. But let's start with qualifying and sprint qualifying here. So quali, when I say quali, it'll be pre-sprint. When I say sprint, it'll be the sprint qualifying. So for quali, uh, man, there were just so many instances of bunching up. It seemed like everybody was obviously trying to get like a nice toe, but... Uh, People were having their laps screwed up left and right. Max was very vocal on the radio. Um, There was contact at the pit lane almost a couple times. So just like all chaos was kind of breaking out for the quali. Yeah, Mr. Saturday that I guess kind of he, for this sprint series, has to move back to Mr. Friday. Um, He he got a little lucky with uh, Yuki Sonoda getting his time deleted, allowing him to make it into Q2. So yeah, he kind of kept that name. 
Yeah, AlphaTauri with a very unlucky start to Q1. Alpines seemed like they had a pretty unlucky Q2 going out uh, with both Aston Martins going out as well. And yet to kind of wrap off the uh, pre-sprint, we have Valtteri Bottas winning out the qualifying and uh, you know having that, that front row for sprint qualifying, which is great to see. I think, you know, as I had mentioned earlier, you know, having a driver at, lose his seat and really, you know, outperform what people were, ha- had been seeing uh, this entire year was great. Uh, we've seen this the last couple of weeks with Giovinazzi. Awesome to see. And moving into the sprint race where it's always like anxiety inducing. I think there's, I think Jensen Button might have said it this weekend, but it's like it always feels like there's more to lose than there is to gain. Um, but during the race, Speaking of, you know, drivers losing, Lewis just goes back four places almost immediately after the start. Um, you know, that was kind of the, the lap one chaos. Adding to that chaos, Gasly goes out after just kissing the back of the McLaren of Lando Norris. His wing was damaged. It, like, I, I didn't see it at first, so I didn't know what happened. It just seemed like there started to become sparks under Gasly's left front tire. Um, and then, you know, obviously just goes off. I, I heard on the... Uh, on the broadcast, they were like, if, if you don't have that front wing and the downforce, like pushing the car down at the front, getting those tires some real grip, then it's kind of like just driving a sled or like a toboggan at like 180 miles an hour, which is like so nightmare inducing for me. <laughs> just because like, I mean, having that little control over it, obviously you want to like keep testing. You don't want to be out of the sprint, but you know, having no control basically over uh, over a car that's going that fast, is just so scary. But yeah, I think Gasly going out and Lewis losing places was uh, was pretty tough just as far as like, you know, people who had it rough with the sprint. Yeah. And on the other side, uh, we had, you know, those the people that actually did well in the sprint series, Fernando Alonso making up three positions. So that was, you know, in in 20 or in 18 laps, you know, that was a uh, that was very well done. Valtteri, as I'd said earlier, wins the sprint as well. And even though it was three points for, for him, he ended up starting in the back due to uh, their penalty for um, having a new gearbox. And you could tell he was still in good spirits and a good mindset. I think he had that mentality that with it being Monza that you know he was expected to, to make up a lot of places there. So clearly, uh, as we saw on Sunday, really paid off in the long term. Yeah, agreed. It was good to see him do well after you mentioned you know he's losing his seat. Uh, let's actually talk about Mercedes since they are currently P1 in the Constructors' Championship. As you mentioned, there was just all class all weekend from Bottas. Fastest lap in the quality session, winner of the sprint, and then going from P20 onto the podium. Got a little help from Sergio Perez getting a five-second time penalty, but still, that was awesome to see him just crawling through the field like we kind of expected. I thought that was going to be where the most drama was of the race, just because that seemed like you know he had a, the most work to do, and obviously we had uh, other things happen between Mercedes and Red Bull, but that ended up... Ended up but that in and of itself was definitely, uh, you know, satisfying to see. Uh, and good for Bottas, a guy who probably is not in the best spirits after losing a Mercedes seat, but still proving that he's a, you know, he's, he's really quality driver. And it was just the rate that he was passing these cars by was shocking. I mean, within, by lap 18, Bottas was up to ninth place, by lap 22, up to eighth. And it was just, the obviously, you know, a, a top tiered car passing you know maybe obviously bottom the tier cars middle the tier you know it's it's not as difficult but yeah i mean it was 
it was he was a man on a mission. He was kind of uh, driving with his his head cut off, kind of thing. Uh, a little chicken out there. So yeah, the <laughs> chicken driver. Little yeah, bark, bark. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> good for him. Uh, that was yeah, that was just shocking to see that uh, compared to you know everyone else. Uh, I think even his his fastest times were you know a second and a half faster than than uh, a lot of the drivers up up towards the front. I know obviously with Danny leading the race that I think you know Max's Max's pace was uh, diminished a little bit as well though. Yeah, definitely. And Lewis, on the other hand, retires from the race for the first time since 2018. That's 63 races without a race retirement. Absurd that he's had that good of luck, like not even a mechanical issue or anything. Um, but yeah, obviously he's going into turn two. Doesn't leave Verstappen a lot of space, just like Verstappen didn't leave Lewis a lot of space early on in the race when they were racing wheel to wheel. And, uh, you know, Max hits the sausage curves and just goes on top. Basically almost takes Lewis or crushes Lewis's head and neck uh, with, uh, with his, I think it was his left rear tire. Right rear tire, but uh, but yeah, scary stuff all around. Of course, good to see he's okay. But like, give me your opinion on uh, on the crash. Whose fault was it? You know, obviously this is going to be a big talking point. So what's the what's the Marco take here? I am again, once again, not going to try to play like the middle card here and pick an actual side. I'm going to say it is Max's fault. While it's not like a clear cut, like clearly it was fully Max's fault. I think that you know Lewis did have something to play with it uh it takes two to tango as some people say but yeah i think there we've seen so many instances where the situation was reversed and max was in the lead lewis was you know making an attempt to pass uh or to catch up and for instance lap one of monza lap one at imola there was these instances and then max really kind of cut him off of having any type of space instead of lewis you know really pushing and, and forcing that space onto him, onto Max. He falls off onto the curb. Uh, you saw that, yeah, as I said, both of those times, he, you know, took that. Max obviously take, retakes the lead. And so this seemed pretty similar of a situation. And, you know, seeing those, you would think that Max would have ba- uh, backed off. And I swear that when both of these drivers see each other in the rearview mirrors, their decision making really is altered compared to seeing you know any other driver on the grid, and uh, yeah, I, I would say that you know Max definitely clearly uh, his emotions got the best of him. If you're looking at how after the crash, how he reacted, like we talked about earlier, obviously had uh, little little intentions of making sure that Lewis was okay, and so yeah, I, I think that yeah, if you had to put finger on and one person it would have been max and i think uh rightfully so he got that three grid penalty uh, upcoming at soji for it from it yeah and that's gonna obviously play a big role into soji where it's it's pretty decently hard to pass in russia so um yeah lewis obviously not the result he was looking for he'll still be looking for his 100th win he's been looking for it since silverstone back in mid-july where he's got his 99th but yeah just seemed like uh mercedes lewis specifically uh and toto couldn't really catch a break today like uh Bottas was overtaking perez uh seemed like he made the pass on him toto pumps his fist and shouts and you know within three seconds perez took the position back and there's just disappointment on the face of everybody in the Mercedes garage. So didn't matter because of the penalty, but uh, but still. And as many people said, most important thing is Lewis is okay. 
That tire definitely could have done some damage, just crushing his head and neck. So good to see that the Halo does his job. We have that to thank. And, and yeah, I feel like this is, I mean, how many times have we seen this within the last two seasons of the, the Halo just literally saving people's lives? So, uh, yeah, good, good on the Halo, good on the safety of the FIA. Yeah, I just saw this. Uh, I believe that the Halo, they it's tested to withstand like the weight of a London city bus. So I think that was clearly okay. well uh, well needed for for this race. Yeah, just to, to understand, yeah, kind of like, hey, just in case something comes down on the car, uh, we got to be prepared for anything. So yeah, that uh, definitely came into effect from Sunday. All right, let's talk about Red Bull. You start. Yeah, uh, as you mentioned, Perez... Crossed the line in P3, but because of a five-second penalty, he uh, dropped down to fifth place and bringing 10 points uh, due to that P5 result. You know, as we've been saying, uh, Perez's inconsistency with Red Bull has just been uh, pretty tough for them. And as much as we really wanted Perez to exceed and how much we thought he was going to exceed in um, in that Red Bull position, that consistency has really been a, a worry and a you know, if, if we see more of this in 2022, I feel like this could be a, a good agree to disagree of, you know, if, if we see him struggling in uh, next year, that's, I, I don't think Red Bull would have any, any uh, problems kind of potentially making a switch. I, I know he only signed, I believe, a one-year deal. So, yeah, I think that uh, that this has been probably a, a bigger problem than Red Bull once thought uh, once they w- were able to bring him in compared to the last couple drivers that they've been running with uh, the last couple of years. Yeah, you could argue whether or not the results are completely on him. I think there have definitely been some extenuating circumstances. But at the same time, if he's not bringing home points and he's not helping them, I'm with you. I could see, like, even middle of the season, some kind of, like, Pierre Gasly-type exit from him just because I don't think there's a lot of patience over there from the Red Bull management. Speaking of the Red Bull management, Christian Horner had his classic predictable uh, vibe, classic predictable words, where he pawned off the accident between Max and Lewis as, you know, it was a racing incident. They're just trying to sway the court of public opinion by saying that, you know, they're saying like Mercedes, yeah, they'll, they'll probably complain about it. It's like, well, uh, not necessarily just Mercedes, but the stewards uh, kind of like don't really agree with what Max did there. So uh, hence the penalty. And yeah, Christian going to Christian. And that's that's just how he's been. And I don't necessarily see that stopping in a fight that gets this feisty between Max and Lewis. And kind of going into, you know, looking back at how the, the crash actually started, the, the whole incident really wouldn't have happened if Red Bull didn't have that 11.1 second long pit stop. Also, Mercedes had that 4.7 second long pit stop. So we just had some unfortunate happenings from both teams that led to both of the drivers really like running into each other right at the end of the pit lane. Yeah, it was tough, man. I think it was like, you know, stars had to align perfectly. Everything had to go exactly the way it did as far as like long pit stops down to the second or the, you know, millisecond so that uh, this accident between Max and Lewis would happen. But yeah, at the end of the day, it it happens. Uh, You know, they both go off. Sergio, you know, with as many hopes as were put onto him once Max did go off, it was nice to see him. Um, you know, pull off a good race. But at the end of the day, Mercedes does grow uh, their lead six points after the weekend. Still very much in reach, but uh, but going to be tough for Red Bull after probably missing a good opportunity to close that gap this weekend. Yeah, and I, I do want to throw in a little, you know, I, I love those post-race interviews that they, they bring in the principals. And of course, after this weekend, they're going to bring in both the Red Bull and the Mercedes principals. <laughs> 
Toto had a pretty interesting and agreeable quote with, you know, I don't want to be a Panther like some of my colleagues and I'll let the stewards decide. Uh, I think this is probably some frustration that he's probably seen these, you know, anytime there is an instance between the two cars that Horner, as you had said, has always been someone to uh, really be extremely vocal on his, um, on his opinions. And even if they maybe not be necessarily, um, you know, understandable, so, yeah, I, I kind of love that uh, little hit. I think that's another little um, addition to the, the real principles of Formula One and kind of this drama that has been ensuing all year. Uh, as we've been saying, I, I, every single time a weekend like this happens, Netflix is just drooling at the mouth, and they have, they have more film and more storylines to go on. I, I, they're going to have to cut some, some of this out, but... I mean, I cannot wait. I think this is going to be the best season of Drive to Survive yet. Oh, yeah. the, the Everybody's just looking their chops over there at Netflix, just being like, man, where do we even start? Like, all of these stories, there's there's just way too much to go off of, but definitely. All right, let's move on to McLaren. 215 points from McLaren, jumping Ferrari with a nice 1-2 finish. Last weekend was all about the orange of the Dutch people supporting Max. This weekend, not as much orange in the stands, but this was definitely McLaren's weekend here. So, yeah, 1-2 finish. First time that's happened in 11 years. Uh, P1, P2, fastest lap. Like, all the points that they could have wished to get out of this weekend outside of the sprint, um, they did and even did pick up some points in the sprint, too. So, um, no real bad, like, bad side of this weekend for them. I think it's just great for everybody from a result standpoint and from a momentum standpoint, especially at this pretty pivotal time in the season. So, yeah, no, I mean, what what could you say that McLaren did not do well this weekend? I don't know. I mean, even from the post-race, like, they all did shoeys. Check, check, check. That's what I would have said is just, like, maybe one of them didn't get to do the shoey. Zach Brown was in on it. Everyone was, yeah, everyone was flourishing. Uh, Lando had some incredible defense against Lewis early on. Uh, I think that really helped set, you know, I think if Lewis passes him, he's going to start impeding in, in um, you know, Mac, with Max and Danny and, you know, potentially this whole race is, you know, this outcome is completely different. So that was great. McLaren is the first team all season to have a one-two fin- podium finish. And I think this, they said that this was McLaren's uh, most points ever in a weekend just because, then you know, they had the 1-2 finish. They had the fastest lap. So, I think, yeah, they took off. They took out everything that they could from this weekend. And, yeah, they could not have asked for uh, a better outcome. Yeah, especially Danny, who hadn't won a race since 2018 with Red Bull before he made the jump to Renault. Um, Lando's sneaky headline was that Lando was his highest ever finish in F1. Mm-hmm. So, Obviously, he's no stranger to the podium, but it's always been on that bottom step. Moving into uh, to second place, you could tell that he wanted it. I think they were running 1-2, and Lando was like, yeah, I need Danny to pick up the pace a bit, like kind of hinting that, hey, uh, if you need him, to, you know, if you need me to pass him, I'm happy to do that, <laughs> just to kind of like get a little more pacey. But, yeah, still worked out well. The two were able to fight super well together uh, just to round out that 1-2 uh, that, that had been done for McLaren since Lewis Hamilton and Jensen Button uh, were at the Chinese Grand Prix in 2010. Yeah, it was great. I, Lando actually took, I think, two swings at the bat to to potentially pass Danny. As you said, he was like, I need the, Danny to pick up the pace a little bit. And then uh, towards the end of the race, he brought up again saying, you know, is this the optimal um, setting that or the optimal 
standings that we want to finish the race at and yeah the race engineer was like yes uh this is the uh, this is optimal stay where we are right here so yeah definitely wanted to, to get you that, sure that, you positive like, yeah, just want to make sure, we're positive? sure it's going to be like yeah the, the last lap before going in he's like are you are you sure are you sure <laughs> so yeah i mean can't hurt to ask you know and he wasn't angry about it very supportive so yeah i think i would have done the same thing it's just like if there's a chance for me to get first place my first ever first place then yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check in uh, check in with the team and uh, you know the only there's no bad outcome from that so yeah good uh, good little entertainment from there and then yeah looking at uh, you know the post game stuff I think that was just so cool to see everything with McLaren Danny obviously you know having some fantastic Danny quotes saying that he's been a sandbagging sob the whole year getting third fourth and fifths and so he decided to win one so yeah obviously with him everything is very lighthearted and and uh, enjoyable so yeah i think that yeah having someone like that um a good good enjoyable person to win uh, was fantastic to see uh, it made me wanting to stick around and watch all the the post-race festivities that much more exciting Yes, sir. Going from McLaren to McLaren's rival, Ferrari getting 201.5 points. Uh, after a solid P4, P6 result, Leclerc did get bumped from P5 to P4 just because of that Perez penalty. Um, and yeah, I mean, for the Tifosi, I don't think you can complain too much, especially when their car didn't really seem like it would suit this track at all, given the long straights and kind of high-speed corners. I think they like the low-speed corners, fits their car better, but still, yeah, Italian GP for an Italian team. Although nobody in red got to the podium, it was still a good grab of some points uh, you know, at their home GP. So any other time, this would have been a good number of points to get. But uh, yeah, just with McLaren having just the kind of best weekend that they possibly could, it's definitely going to give a little bit of a gap, and they move into fourth place in the constructors. Yeah, it, uh, Charles had, I think, a very strong race. It seems like he was uh, always you know, biting at the, the heels for the, the top guys uh, competing. Him and Lando had a couple good bouts for a couple laps as well. So, yeah, I thought he, as always, uh, had a very strong race. I feel like the Ferrari group this year has always kind of a lot of the times finished right around each other with Charles being up there towards the end uh, and, you know, just finishing a little outside of that with uh, – I feel like a lot of the times we see Carlos Sainz and uh, it's just a very quiet race for him. I feel like he's a lot of the times kind of in that – uh, tier two grouping and there's not a lot in that tier two grouping during the race and so yeah they're you know it's just a qu- quite solid drive for him as well so yeah uh, as you said great great weekend for ferrari i don't think you can ask for too much more and then moving on to our fifth place team with alpine with 95 points they again uh similar to carlos signs you know how had a pretty solid race they did not get a ton of points but did have both guys finish in the points which is something that i'm sure that they'll take every single weekend if possible um and yeah as i said a similar signs just a pretty quiet race from both of them especially esteban ocon uh, he was really struggling and unsuccessfully trying to get in front of the williams which hearing that hearing you know a relatively top tier constructor constructor struggling to uh, to get around Williams is something that we are not used to hearing but have been getting a little bit more used to it these past couple weeks yep love it there's your official Eaton Asphalt race recap for Monza let's move on to our next sector of agree or disagree 
Uh, but before we do that, we do want to give a tip of a cap to our sponsor. This part of the podcast is brought to you by Tropicana. Hitting the shelves again this fall is Tropicana's most nostalgic beverage, foot juice. Sourced directly from the land down under in Perth, Australia, this number one rated foot juice has been aged approximately three years in only the warmest and most moist place known to man. It's not a true celebration unless you're drinking that hot, stinky nectar of the gods. So in life's highest moments, pinch that nose, hold back your gag reflex, and enjoy some of the best feeling hydration that the world has to offer. Tropicana foot juice. Choke it down with a smile. Mmm, I, I mean... Obviously, we talked about a, a lot of. Obviously, we mm. talked about a. Mm. Well, uh, we'll slide straight into agree or disagree. Ian, let, uh, hit me with them. Let's go. Yeah, obviously, this is the sector where we ask Marco if he agrees or disagrees with some different internet takes that I've seen on Twitter. So let's jump right into it. Marco, first up, agree or disagree? This race will be recognized as the best race of 2021. In my opinion, yes. I think that with, you know, obviously having crazy crashes as as long as people are safe and, and come out safe with it are very exciting, especially when you got, uh, you know, the, the one-two punch and, and fighting for the driver's championship, uh, being involved in it. Uh, so that just sparks up more drama. And then, yeah, just having, um, I guess, surprising finishes and surprising podiums is always fun as well. And to have it with... Two extremely likable guys in the McLaren boys, Danny Rick and Lando Norris, and then having uh, Valtteri Bottas have a very strong weekend after you know receiving that sad news that he will not be returning to Mercedes. So yeah, all in all, I think it was just a fantastic weekend, a sprint, uh, a sprint, a little, a sprint series weekend as well. So had that extra you know importance on Friday that we got to look forward to, then bringing on to the mini race on Saturday. So. Yeah, I, I could not have asked for really anything more uh, than, than we got out of this weekend. Yeah, I agree with you there. This is going to be the flagship race of 2020 in my view. Uh, next up, agree or disagree, Max and Lewis will collide again before the end of the season. I'm going to have to say agree. Uh, I know that it seems like the stewards clearly are trying to nix this uh, from happening down down the road. But like Senna and Prost, this is just it seems inevitable that like again like like I said earlier that when one of them sees each other in the rearview mirrors and you know there's a potential that hey like I'm not going to let this asshole pass me and I'm going to do whatever it takes to and then it depends on what that guy behind is is willing to give up and it seems like neither of them are willing to give up too much and uh you know it's just that competitive nature with them uh, and obviously that you know it seems like a pretty uh, interesting uh, relationship between the two as well. So yeah, I just feel like with um, hot heads, um, cooler heads prevail, and we have not seen too many of the cool heads happen when uh, Max and, and Lewis run into each other. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just inevitable that these two are going to crash again. I don't see either of them backing down, and when you don't give space, and that goes for both of them, eventually this kind of thing's going to happen. So next up, agree or disagree, driver of the day should have gone to Valtteri. I'm going to say disagree. I think it was rightfully so that he deserved second place for driver of the day. But I think with everything that we've seen with Danny uh, the last couple of years, uh, having his struggles at Reynolds having his struggles this year at McLaren and even towards the end of Red Bull, just, you know, being, you know, kind of pushed into that potential second seat with Max looming behind him that, yeah, I think this was just a 
a Cinderella. This was just a Cinderella story for him, and yeah, obviously, you know, defending Max for until the crash happened, and uh, leading the race from start to finish. I thought that uh, was something that no one saw coming, and uh, very well deserved. But yeah, I mean, for for Valtteri to to make up 16 places or whatever he did make was fantastic as well. It was uh, awesome to see kind of the front of the pack then, there and then just constantly having, um, you know, screen time of Valtteri passing these guys from behind. So, yeah, I think that uh, it was just a cool sight to see for both ends. But, yeah, I would, I would still have to give it to Danny. And finally, agree or disagree, Red Bull will pass Mercedes in the constructor standings within the next three races. I'm going to say disagree. I think obviously uh, having that three-place grid penalty for Max is going to be uh, is going to be very important uh, with that uh, for the next three races. And if we're looking at all four drivers, I think you're going to give a small edge to Max over Lewis. But when looking at that second seat, I think this is what we're going to see the biggest difference in. And you know, if Valtteri continues what we've seen the last couple of weeks, I think that that's where we're going to see the the difference is you know Perez's inconsistency and Valtteri uh, outperforming and and you know being that that second driver that Mercedes has wanted to to see out of him. Uh, we've gotten so many flashes here and there, but uh, yeah, if we can see Valtteri keep that up, then yeah, I'm going to say that Mercedes you know, slowly extends that lead, if anything. All right. Well, I am going to disagree here. I'll take the dissenting opinion. I think Red Bull are really on Mercedes' tail. If it weren't for the pesky little crash this weekend, they'd be in a much better spot. So we'll see. Time will tell with that. Um, And, yeah, that'll do it for Agree to Disagree. And moving on to our race predictions recap. Uh, Before this weekend... Ian was up 13 to my 11. So we'll get right into it here. First question, who do we think will crash our DNF? I went with Nikita Mazepin with Ian going with Pierre Gasly. We both win. So yay Yay. for us. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, next up we had winner. Um, Lewis was Marco's pick. I picked Carlos. In retrospect, that was a terrible pick. Um, But yeah, neither of us score points there. Last place, I went with pizza and Ian went with Michael Schumacher. Nope, he did not because Michael cannot drive currently. He's Ian went with Mick. He is. He is a drooler. <laughs> <laughs> Ian went with Mick Schumacher. Ian got that win, but I did come in second place on that guess. So, I, I mean, obviously I won't get points for that, but we were both right on target for that. As far as the most overtakes is concerned, Marco picked Fernando Alonso. I went with Charles. I think it was pretty clear that Valtteri had the most overtakes in the race here, going from P20 and ending up on the podium. So neither of us score points there again. Again, yep. Uh, driver of the day, I went with Max. Ian went with Charles Leclerc. And obviously Max was way off. Charles uh, didn't get quite up there as well. And we had obviously Danny Ricardo coming out on top there. Next up, Douche of the Day brought to you by Summer's Eve. Marco went with Sebastian Vettel causing a ruckus and draining all of the douche juice there. Um, I went with Max Verstappen. I do think Max was an honorable mention given that he did screw up Lewis's race. 
But I don't think you can really argue anybody other than Nikita Mazepin is probably the top pick here. After all the drama with him and his teammate over the last couple of weeks, spinning out Mick Schumacher when they're kind of racing wheel to wheel is just, uh, it's going to bring you that bring you that Summer's Eve prize. So congrats to Nikita Mazepin for winning Douche of the Day. Fastest pit stop minus Red Bull. I went with Alpha Tauri with Ian going with Alpha Romeo. McLaren was the winner there and they were even actually faster than Red Bull themselves, so I think that was very clutch and important for them to have the finish that they did, uh, having that fast pit stop. Another aspect of McLaren that just went right for them this weekend, so good for them. And then wildcard predictions. Marco winning a point with Ricardo placing ahead of Lando Norris. I thought that three different teams would be on the podium. It was a close one, but uh, two McLarens did end up on that podium. So score one for Marco. That'll lead our score as it stands today, September 13th, as Ian with 15 points and Marco with 13. Obviously, we both had a pretty strong weekend. Uh, Getting two points each, I think, was uh, fantastic to see. That wraps it up for the Race Predictions recap, as well as wrapping it up for our episode 30 of the Eaton Asphalt podcast. We will be on next week to uh, to talk about the race in Sochi, but obviously we have a some time off until then, and probably we'll come up with a driver spotlight or a cool story to hold you over in the meantime until the next time that we can see these cars racing on a track. So, uh, Ian, any final words here? No, I'm just, again, appreciative of an awesome race that Italy put on for us. Uh, Italian GP will go down as very memorable, a lot of story points, and yeah, this will be influential, not only for this season, but just in the history books. This crash between Verstappen and Hamilton uh, is going to be talked about quite a bit when we look back on the end of the season. So, good show. Thank you, Monza. And like Marco said, we will be back later this week. See you, assholes. See you, assholes.